0: Well, Sheila's going to read for us, Uh, invite her to come forward, and our reading today is from Hebrews chapter 11. So you can be turning in your Bible or opening your Ferrero Rocher. Hopefully both.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, As Richard said, we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 1 through to 16. That's Hebrews 11, 1 to 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not be see that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city.
0: Very grateful for all the teams who helped set up week by week, and particularly the tech team. And and you've had a bit of a nightmare this morning. And so we feel really sorry for you. You're doing a great job, but well done. So thanks, everybody. We still love you. Yeah. And it actually reminds us about I mean, how many words would stick in our minds if we didn't have access to the devices, if we didn't have the books. Um, no better reason than to commit Scripture to memory. Well, why don't we pray that the Lord would help us as we look at this passage together. Let's pray. Father, we need your help because we can't remember the words. And Father, as we look at your word, it's the same sometimes familiar passages, and yet our minds draw a blank. Father, as we look at Hebrews 11 and the words seem to be so familiar, would you teach us? Would you show us your ways? Would you challenge us? Would you cut us to the heart with what you would have to say to each one of us today? Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to turn to Hebrews and chapter eleven. I recently read some life advice. You might have read the same thing. Don't look back at old pictures because it can make you sad. Have you ever heard somebody say that to you? Uh, I've actually a friend who doesn't look at pictures of his children when they were younger because it makes him feel sad. Now, at the time when I read this advice, I kind of wondered how that fits with the Bible's frequent encouragement to look back. Look back, the Bible tells us. And then it struck me. While there is a place for looking back in our lives, and it can even be spiritually beneficial to remember times of great endurance, look back to chapter 10 in Hebrews, verses 32 to 34. And remember, We were told to remember the former days when you endured a hard struggle. So there is sometimes spiritual benefit from looking back and remembering. The key here is not to look back at your own photographs. Maybe that won't make you so sad. And instead, we're going to see that Hebrews 11, here in the Bible, it's urging us to look back, but to look back at the lives of faithful Christians who have shown us how to live by faith. So will you do that with me this morning? Will you look back, not at your own pictures, and you know the memory function on your phone that sometimes comes up, you know, one year ago, five years ago? Oh, look at the picture. Well, don't look at those just for this morning anyway, but look at the faithful Christians who have shown us how to live by faith. Now, we're Christians with smartphones, so here's another thing. I don't know how you do this, does anyone know how you, how you fix that looking back function that it shows you other pictures rather than the ones from your inbox? Well, here's how. Well, I don't know how. If you have and you can program that memory function, tell me. But I want you to look back to a biblical photo album here in Hebrews 11, filled with snapshots of men and women who live by faith. And why? Now, here's the point to all this. This isn't just for us to walk past a museum exhibit of old Christians or old faithful men and women. But it's a training institute, that's what you stepped into. Not for passive wandering, for a mere look at the greats of the past, but a wartime seminar, that's what this is. A wartime seminar about active engagement, a prompting, a challenge to action, while we as Christians live and plan towards life in a better country. That's what you stepped into today. A wartime seminar. Thinking about what it's like to keep going following Christ. Now Hebrews 11, you see it's meant to challenge us. Challenge us to action. Not nostalgia. Action. To live for a better country. That's where we're going. So three questions posed by this text from scripture. Here they are. Number one do you have the right definition of faith? That's the challenge coming here. Do you have the right definition of faith? Verses one to three. Now, Sometimes when we describe ourselves as people of faith, there can be something of an impression that faith is a little bit hazy or pale. Oh, we'll just all have faith. We even say it in a softer voice. Let's just have faith. What's your definition? Well, read with me what the writer to the Hebrews says in verse 1. He says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is no wispy notion. The Bible says it's robust, it's assurance of things hoped for. The word assurance is about something full of substance, not full of air. Something firm, not light. And for the Christian, as we've seen throughout the book of Hebrews, faith is focused and centered, where? On the Lord Jesus Christ, on his sacrifice. So the virtue is not just having faith, as if faith itself, generally speaking, was the thing. No, the emphasis in the Bible is always on the object of that faith. And what's that? Well, Jesus Christ, of course. That's the object of our faith, not just the fact that we have faith. Lots of people have faith in the world, but the Bible calls us to put our faith in Christ. Now, faith in Jesus Christ will provide each Christian with assurance. It's like a full set of documents. Have you ever tried to do something where you needed to gather lots of things? Well, faith is like that. You've gathered those documents together, And now that gives you access, full access into the very presence of God. Having once been spiritually adrift, great danger. Faith in Jesus will provide us with solid, safe confidence. Now, have you ever traveled to a different country? You'll understand what it feels like to wait in that other country, in their immigration check line. You ever felt what that feels like? It's a little bit unfamiliar. You don't know where you are you're sort of wondering, a kind of nervousness, do I have the right documents? Have I filled in all the right forms? Do I have the right papers? But then if you're Irish and you land in Dublin, isn't it great you're Irish? You can just skip over into that queue and line up, and show your passport and have a nice wee chat, and you have this kind of confidence as you walk up to the passport um, desk. You, You don't even know where your passport is because you know you're in you've come home. And there's a real feeling of security that comes with that. Now, it's this kind of calm security that the writer's describing here. It's faith, a kind of resolute confidence. Confidence, he says, of things hoped for that are so certain we can be completely confident about them. Now, the description, you'll notice, comes with a parallel description. If there's one line, a comma. And then another sentence, and they're both kind of mirror each other. Have a look. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And these two phrases are saying something almost the same. Assurance is parallel to conviction. Faith is conviction, the writer says. But he doesn't mean complacency. And like that line up when I'm at Dublin Airport, I can be a little bit complacent. But you see, that's not what it's about. There's a conviction here. You see, faith has an active ingredient in it that makes Christians live a certain way too. And it's not complacent. It makes Christians act in a certain way, not sit back. Faith has an active ingredient, a conviction, that makes us live differently because we know of what we can be certain. Well, what are the things not seen described here? Well, you know, as well as I know, Christians have not seen everything yet. Not everything we hope for is immediately apparent. Some things that we hope for as Christians, well, they still lie in the future to be realized. And yet we can still live with a confidence that knows that one day, the things described that we hope for, we're going to see those promises fulfilled. So that's unseen, and yet there's a confidence as we look forward. Have a look. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Many people we're reading here in the Old Testament have that kind of faith. They lived out and they did things with the confidence in God, even when they couldn't see the full picture. And that's what we're going to see now in a moment. The writer is going to describe a whole list of people here right throughout this chapter. See, many of these people were promised things by God that they did not see fulfilled in their own lives. And they were commended, even though they heard and trusted God, they were commended because, well, they lived With that conviction, solid and secure, they lived by faith. And then verse 3, have a look. And we look at the, the universe around us. It is by faith we understand that it was created by the word of God. That's an incredible statement, isn't it? David Gooding says that the world around us is actually one giant object lesson for faith. How so? You see, there was a time, wasn't there, when the world didn't exist. But now it does. So it came into being. So how and why? Well, the Bible tells us it's by faith that we understand that this universe was created by the Word of God. Now, all of us are familiar with a a view of the universe and the origins of the universe that excludes God. And yet, every view of origins, every single one of them, demands faith because none of us were there and those committed to a theory of origins that exclude God they can't explain how there was once nothing and then something they can't explain it but for Christians our faith is in the word of God God who spoke Genesis 1 and things came into being Almost like the writer's saying here at the start of this chapter, he said, look back at the snapshot. If you could have taken a picture and had it appear on that memory function in your phone, look back and see the fact that God was at work powerfully, mightily in history, because he's the one that brought everything into being in the first place. That's God. That's faith. So it's time for us to have that kind of faith. Assurance. Conviction. Is that yours? Your definition? Resolute confidence to take God at his word. To live by faith, even when things around us are unseen, yet unseen. And yet if God says it in his word, well, we can trust it resolutely. And understand and live out. Remember that active ingredient in that faith? Live in an active security in God who has spoken and who has spoken most loudly. Hebrews 1 tells us definitively through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have the right definition of faith? There's the challenge from the start of Hebrews 11 as we start looking at this hall of faith. And then number two, do you have the right spiritual posture? Now we're reminded about our posture quite a lot these days. How are you sitting? A few people have sat up straight already. You heard the word posture. And you went and thought of the standing desk. Well, the Bible here is challenging us to think about our spiritual posture. And as he describes some great examples of faithfulness from Genesis, and I don't think I'd noticed this before, there's an emphasis on the spiritual posture of each of those people. Now, George Guthrie points this out, and I find it very, very helpful. Have a look. So verse four here, by faith, Abel, here's the first of them, Abel offered to God, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commanded as righteous, God commanding him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now we know from Genesis 4 the account of Abel that his sacrifice was pleasing to God, but not Cain's, and this is hinted very strongly in Genesis that there was a connection between the offerer, the person who made the gift and the offering, and the Lord, this is what it says in Genesis 4, verse 4, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard, so there was a connection between the person giving the gift, their heart, if you like, their posture, and the gift itself, there's a big hint, you see, that Cain was not right in his posture, he wasn't sitting up straight with regards to God, in himself, his attitude just wasn't right. But Abel was commanded as righteous. And then if you remember what we read just at the end of chapter 10, and the righteous will live by faith, verses 37 and 38. You see, the righteous will live by faith. And some others shrink away. Now, as Guthrie puts it, there's a vital link between our internal attitudes and external Actions. You know that, don't you? It's not just about being seen to be a Christian. There's something internal about it that's important. Our posture, spiritually speaking. Now, this is a bit clearer when it comes to Enoch. Now, Enoch, his posture towards God, it comes up next, verse 5. Well, he was faithful, it says. And so he pleased God. He was even taken out of the world rather than dying out of it. He was taken. And it's very significant. You see, Enoch did not shrink back. Remember that quotation back at the end of chapter 10? What was the opposite of those who lived by faith? Well, some other, verse 38, would shrink back, giving the Lord no pleasure in them. But Enoch didn't do that. He lived by faith. And his posture, if you like, was one of pleasing God. He lived to please God. That was who he was, a faithful approach, a resolute confidence that God exists, and that God rewards those who seek him. Verse 6, and without faith, have a look, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. That's what Enoch brings to the table here. What about Noah? Well, Noah's posture, too, was one of faithful listening to God. Noah had a message that he could do what he wanted with. Would he trust God or would he just throw it out? But Noah, what did he do? He took God at his word. Even when when those events, and look at that word, his events were yet unseen. And his posture, verse 7, reverent fear. In other words, Noah, by his faith, he paid close attention to God's word he read God's word. Well, he didn't actually read it. He heard it, and he lived by it. Did you see the stark contrast that's pointed out here between Noah and then all the others who didn't believe? And it's a really, contra- a really stark contrast, isn't it, between faith, the faith of Noah, and the faithlessness of those who reject God and do not pay close attention to his word. Well, have a look at the final Verse of chapter 10, once again, where we camped out last week. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So you can see in chapter 11 here, it's it's not just a few old exhibits of faith, a few old examples to look back on and go, ah, yeah, they were the great guys. But there's a challenge to Christians who first heard this letter, and a challenge to us too. Do you have the right spiritual posture, in other words? Do you have confidence that God exists? Confidence that there are still things yet unseen but will surely come to pass? And will you come close to God in that relationship, internal relationship with him? Not just doing the right things on the outside, but paying close attention to God's word. Now the climax of these exemplars is, of course, Abraham. We're, we're a bit pushed for time. We're not going to camp here for very long. But you see, there are lots of snapshots already. Can you see those pictures building up? And then Abraham comes at the climax of them. By faith, we read, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land, by faith. So Abraham comes at the climax, doesn't he? he? He obeyed God. He followed him, even when things were yet unseen. By faith, Abraham too, he looked forward to the city that has foundations. And did you see that, um, that comment that designer and builder was God? Think of verse three, remember God who made everything? Well, he had designed and built a city A country, a better country. Those two questions we've looked at. Do you have the right definition of faith? Do you have the right spiritual posture? You see, this is getting very challenging, isn't it? Well, then thirdly, as we finish, are you looking ahead to a better country? Are you? Verse 13 acts a little bit like a summary. The writer says, these all died. Have a look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And so the challenge to us, are you living? And when it comes to it, are you dying in faith? Are you looking ahead from now on with that active confidence in God who provided a way to him by his son, the Lord Jesus. You see, faithful Christians have always been strangers. They've always been exiles in the world. This is not our home. It's meant to feel like that. Christians, you see, are longing for a better country. I love that feeling of arriving back into Dublin and feeling that I'm home. I'm sure you get the same feeling when you go home, wherever you live. And yet for Christians, if we have a posture of faith, it must mean that we're never really home, even where we feel home, not yet. See, already we know that there's, there's access to our home. It's like we have a full set of documents ready for the trip of a lifetime. For the trip of eternity we have a set of documents in the Lord Jesus Christ and if you've accepted Christ you know that those documents are there waiting through the Lord Jesus Christ and like those who are faithful in the past we must acknowledge that we're strangers and exiles on the earth this no matter how Dublin feels no matter how Black Rock feels this is not our home have a look at verse 16 But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The writer of the Hebrews is really challenging Christians. Don't look back with nostalgia, but in this training seminar, look at all these reminder photographs. Look at all those who were faithful to God in the past And all this should prepare us for the war of perseverance in the present. And you know what? Part of that challenge is to look around us and acknowledge this is not my home. And then to look forward to Christ, as verse 16 puts it so well, to a better country. Do you have the right definition of faith, that resolute confidence, even when we can't see everything? Do you have the right spiritual posture, faithful, obedient, internally and externally seeking after God, looking for His ways, paying close attention to God's words, and then obeying them, no matter what implications that has for our own lives? And are you looking ahead to a better country, Well, if not, here's the challenge of this seminar. Let's do it. Let's live by faith. Well, why don't we pray for a moment? Father, help us to see more than just the exhibits of past faithfulness here in Hebrews 11. We ask that you would help us feel the challenge. We pray that you would prepare us for a world in the present that looks forward to the future. To a better country. And Father, the reason we can do that, the object of our faith, is the Lord Jesus Christ, His sacrifice once for all. Father, we're going to sing in just a moment, and we, we pray that as we sing the words by faith, and as we in just a moment take this reminder, the cup, And the bread. As we eat these things, would you remind us in this meal that Jesus died for our sins. That he provided the way to that better place, that better country. Father, give us faith. Individually. As a community of faith. Help us, we pray. Prepare us, we pray. Challenge us. Renew us for the road ahead,
1: we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.